some say he's a technical whiz. Some say he was born in Cornwall. While some say that he's on a journey. It's the journey. And here's your host... David Hackett! Joining me today on the journey is iconic pop idols of mine from the early 90s and I'm 37 so I grew up with these two with my mum playing them full blast <laughs> it's true it's true welcome White said Fred now let them introduce Uzu because they are literally together we are I'm Fred that's Fred and I'm Richard Ah, you two thank yeah. you for joining me today on the journey it's a pleasure pleasure now I've been following you as I just said since 1999 well I'm 37 now Right. I grew up in, I was pretty much seven, eight years old when I knew your songs like deeply, deeply and. Right. I'm too sexy. Yeah. I'm too sexy for another example. Yeah. What was the inspiration behind your name for band White Said Fred? Uh, the name came, comes from a, a song recorded by Bernard Cribbins. Yeah. In 1963, I think it was. And the song was called White Said Fred. Yeah. And that, yes, and that we um, a friend of ours just heard it on the radio, and we were looking for a name. So um, <laughs> she banged on the door and said, "Fred's nickname is Nick, is Fred, obviously." Yeah. So she said, "Why don't you use the name?" And I said, "Fred." So we did, yep. um, and it, it stuck. I think probably if the band hadn't broken under that name, we would have chosen another name. Yeah, and was there any names in mind that you would have wanted to say? Uh, well, no. no, not really. No, I mean there are other ba- other names of bands I really like, like Sparks and. Um, Roxy Music is another good name. Um, so there are one of one or two others, but I think that's a critical name. Mm. Yeah. Um, so, what was your biggest influences for individually as well as you two together as music? Um, I suppose for the influences in terms of yeah, people we listen to when we're writing and stuff, it changes all the time. But when we started off, it was. A lot of the glam movement from the set from the seventies. Yeah. So it was a T Rex, early David Bowie, Sweet, some electronica, and some of the stuff coming out of New York. Bands like Television, um, uh, Talking Heads, uh, those sort of things. Yeah. Um, so it's a mix, really. Um, and also, I mean, I'm a big Bob Dylan fan, so I used to listen to a lot of Dylan. Um, mm. But um, yeah, they, yeah, it's different for me because as a singer, I listen to all sorts of. I, I started, I, I suppose I spent most of my time listening to Sinatra and Dean Martin yeah. when I was a kid. Because <laughs> uh, those were the only records that, that mum and dad had in the... Uh, <laughs> yeah, the mum was a big yeah. fan. Mum was, was a big fan. So it was mm-hmm. either that or Deep Purple in Rock. It's one of the two. <laughs> <laughs> now, talking about Deeply Dickly, what was the inspiration <laughs> behind the t- title? Because that is just a song that, I, like I said, I knew my, when my mum was going out, she had... Why I said Fred on, she had Erasure on, you know, that's all. What was the inspiration behind? It was actually, it was actually taken from a, um, excuse me, two minutes. It was actually taken from a Jeeves and Worcester TV show. And one character said to the other, 
that they were deeply, deeply dippy about, the woman was deeply dippy about him, one of them. And Rob, who we were working with at the time, he mentioned it and, uh, and we just put it aside as a, as a possible title. I think we probably lived with it for a while before we went through all our notes and decided that it would be a good, uh, a good title for the song. Yes. I don't think it hit us immediately. We tended just to, to store all these ideas up and then, and then revisit them later on down the line. Yeah, because, um, like I said, that, I knew, obviously, Friday or Saturday night, my mom's going out. She had that sort of music on, so that's how I grew up doing that sort of song. And then I'm too sexy for my... You know, those are two iconic songs that are stuck in my mind, just listening yeah. to when my mom's getting ready. Yeah, we just... Um, with both of those songs, it was, we, we weren't very... Um, we, didn't, we weren't very self-conscious when we wrote them. We, we, no. we, we just wrote them in a very automatic kind of uh, not, and we didn't, we consciously didn't pay any attention to other artists. And we try not to do that too much. We, we pay attention to other production. Yeah, we listen to production a lot. Yeah, but we mm. don't, we, you know, I, I think it's, I think John Linneman said it's a bad idea to listen to other artists too much, otherwise you end up subconsciously copying them. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a good idea to try and shut that off and just do what you do and follow your own yeah. list, as yeah. they say, you know. I learned that with radio because when I was in the radio industry, you know, I was told, don't copy another radio presenter. You are your own unique person. Yes, yeah, yeah. that's the idea. Yes, yeah, that's, that's the idea. You have to, you, I mean, in, in this, in the world we live in, it's, it's not wildly popular to be an individual. You have to be part of a tribe of one kind or another. Yes. Yeah. Um, but individualism is what makes great art. So uh, I, I think individualism, if only from an, art, an artist's point of view, is something that needs to be defended. Hmm. So you grew up, both of you, did you expect to be singers? Did you expect to be anything else? Or was there anything that made you become singers? Um, we, when we st- um, we just check my, I'm yeah. just going to check, check my cooking. <laughs> when, okay. when we started playing, I, I started playing about when I was about 12 or 13. Richard started playing bass when he was about 13, 14. Initially, it was just a hobby. Uh, and then we got, then, then we really sort of started getting into the writing and everything. So we first, our first tour was um, 1978. Um, and we were on the road with, the first UK tour, we were on the road with Suicide. Yeah. Suicide were uh, an electronica duo from uh, New York. Very analog, very <laughs> tough. Um, you can tell by the name, it wasn't happy music. No, it wasn't, no. <laughs> uh, and, um, and we did their tour. And on that tour, we also um, worked, we also played, um, played with bands like Joy, Joy Division and uh, The Addicts and uh, some other bands I can't remember. Yeah. Um, so we, we kind of got into it. Once we started doing shows, we had decided this is going to be our living one way or another. And, we, we were, we're, and we're still a bit like that. We are very stubborn. And once we have an idea, we... It, it's difficult for us to be persuaded not to have that idea. Unless we, yeah. yeah, unless it rings. If somebody says an idea is rubbish and we think it's great, we don't care. No. If somebody says it's rubbish and we and it kind of rings a bell in our head that maybe we think it's they rubbish might, they too, might have a point. but they might have a point, mm. then we do listen. Yeah. But um, the more, the thing with Sexy was that every record company turned it down. So we got used to the idea very early on that listening to other people's opinions is not necessarily a good guide to, to what, to live your life. Mm, yeah. Um, if, if we'd listened to labels back then, we would never have pursued anti-sexy at all. Yeah. 
And and the song is, I suppose, why records didn't buy was because of the title and people were just scared because of the perception how it could be deemed. Yeah, well, I mean, back in the day, I suppose, it, when Sexy was released, you know, society wasn't quite so trigger-happy as it is these days. I mean, there are, yeah. there are all sorts of trigger, you know, whether it's black or gay or disabled or whatever, there are trigger words, you know, and... Back in the back when Sexy came out, there was there was none of that really. Um, it was a bit freer. It was much freer from from that point of view. And uh, I can remember we did a Radio One Road show, and there was this. Uh, we just come off stage, and I, we were about to leave, and a guy came walking, striding across the grass towards the car, dragging his nine-year-old son with him. And I just assumed we were going to get into a right ruck because he was going to be cross that his son had had to listen to a song about sex. But actually, he was really, really happy about it and congratulated yeah. because the song was about sex, but not sexual. Yeah. And that's, the, and that's the difference. It's kind of like, you know, Prince's Cream was about sex. Ours is a kind of uh, picture postcard version, yeah. uh, a seaside postcard version. It's, it's comic, it's lighthearted, it's not threatening, um, and it's slightly self-effacing. Mm. Uh, you know, so... Uh, so we, yeah, we learned very early on. But I, mean, I have to say, you know, if you listen to a lot of blues stuff, a lot of early sort of uh, Appalachian meow that the woke brigade should, could go after and tear down if they wanted to, because yeah. a lot of the, those roots and, and and you know strife that, that exists between them. So it's not. Uh, you know, I, you know, I think art has to be completely free. It has to be completely yeah, free to say anything you want. And that's what really. I thought with singing was. When you sing, you are expressing words. You're actually expressing yourself in the words to say, listen, listen. Yeah. And it's not a say, do this, do that. I know some songs could, like, no. don't talk, don't kiss. That is an example. You don't talk yeah. when you kiss. But you're not implying yeah. sexual innuendo, which people can be deeming as wrong. And no, no, I, exactly. It's, and and the videos, yeah, fair enough. The videos, people, it's enough, enough thing when people see the original videos. But that is how your style is, and that's how it is for me. Watching yeah. this, you know, when I first saw the video of it on top of pops, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought that's your style. That's no. what I'm used to, and I grew up with that. Yeah, I, I'm, we're, we're, we're quite conscious of not preaching. Um, and the new single, uh, in, You're in a Light of Love, is, is, a, is an awakening kind of song to make people, to try and make people understand that they, they have the ability within them for change. Yes. They don't have to seek permission for change. They, it's actually in, inside them. That's all that is. So we, we try not, but we, we try not to wag the finger at people. We try not to tell them uh, what to do. Uh, and, and great, I think... You know, I mean, Blowing in the Wind is a really good observational song. Um, and it's, it's not a preachy song. It's, not, it's, a, it's just there's something in it, a bit like you know, What's Going On by Marvin Gaye. It's the same kind of thing. Mm. They're observation, ob, observational songs. Yeah, and that's what makes a good song is an observational song. The times I've heard, not just your songs, but some songs I forgot of, and I'm, I'm trying to even remember, but I can't. But observational songs are the key element to what makes a good song. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's also you know different things. Different things light different people's candle, if you like. You know, so you can have a. I had a friend once who thought the Beatles were rubbish. What can you do? 
you know, he was a huge Stones fan, thought the Beatles were absolutely rubbish. So it's a completely subjective thing. Um, it's like some art, people. It's, could, it's, uh, it's like people could say Ozzy Osbourne is the sort of music you could turn off to because all he does is shout. Well, I like Ozzy Osbourne so like. personally. Yeah, I, yeah, I think he's a really good. He's got a good pop head. On yeah, and he's, he's, he had great delivery. Yeah, Ozzy Osbourne. What I liked yeah. also, what I liked about him was he working within. That's why I like uh, Phil Lynott. Working with a rock, quite a heavy rock idiom, if you like. He didn't get into the screaming vocal thing, yeah. Um, which I and, and I, I like that. I like the fact that they didn't automatically, ass, you know, assume that you needed to scream like a banshee mm. just because you're in a rock band. Um, so it, it's but so going back to you know um, Ozzy Osbourne, I, I like him, but it, it's uh, you know what 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 makes some people like a song is 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 completely unpredictable. You can't. You know, you can't. One guy came to one of our shows a few years ago and thought that "You're My Mate" was the worst song he'd ever heard. And there are about sixteen <laughs> to twenty thousand other people who disagreed. <laughs> so, so you know, it's just a personal thing. It's a personal thing. So, I got the brief here from the, your agents. It says your inner light is love. It's about a song about light versus darkness. A song of yes. unity. It's a feel-good yes. factor, optimistic song about the ability of everyone of us to shine a light and give. Yes, is this yes. In, is this in light, and excuse the pun in that, is this in light of what's going on in the world due to COVID or was it a pre-COVID song? No, it's not a pre-COVID song. No, no. We, we wrote it last year. Um, and we had written, we, 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 we released a song in, uh, I think November called We're All Criminals. It was quite a, quite a um, s- cynical song. And we wanted to write something much more positive and much more to do with unity and togetherness, and, yeah. which is what we think, actually. We, we, what we both feel is that w- what unites people is much stronger than what divides us. But we, get, but we focus on what divides us. That's well, politicians, politicians do. Politicians, and the media. Yeah, politicians and the media have skin in, skin in the game. And they are, they are keen to keep people divided. Mm. I, I, yeah. I, I truly believe that. And so... Mm. Uh, it's an, it's the artist's job to fight that, I think, and to and to remind people that they have, as Fred says, they have more in common uh, than they have uh, what that, that divides them. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So I, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, wildly happy about the the kind of guidance that we've all been given in the last twelve months, whether it's uh, the UK government or anybody else. I think mm. it's been deceptive and and misleading. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. And I can say that freely because I'm not part of any radio station, but <laughs> I can remind listeners and viewers that what we say is your views and that's your right to say your views. And I'll give it's, you that right to it's, say it's, it's, it's the Piers Corbyn, uh, Piers Corbyn, uh, Piers, uh, Piers Morgan, Morgan. <laughs> Piers, <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> Piers Morgan thing. Um, yes, it is. He, you know, he should be allowed to say precisely what he wants on, yeah. on it's you know he's not that's not a news program he's on no it's also why you hire him. and it's why you hire him you know, you know it's, I mean, it's ridiculous gmb I'm, is just stupid yeah I'm, I'm not a fan one way or the other i mean yeah. i think yeah he's he's he, um he, he you either you know you like what he does or you don't it's, it's irrelevant but you, i love him but you you hire piers, <laughs> you hire piers morgan because you want his because he's outspoken and there's no point sacking him because he's been outspoken that's just that is just really stupid yeah um, he's been outspoken and this was before i immigrated to america he was outspoken even before i came to america yes he was yeah yeah i mean that, that, so, that, that's his shtick i mean yeah. He, he, yeah the shock jock thing is part of his gig isn't it you know um yeah. and um and and i think 
I think now, I mean, we 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 got lambasted by, excuse me, by him and many others last year when we went to a free speech and liberty festival, which was tagged as a as an anti-vax, anti-COVID denial festival, not festival protest. Sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. which it wasn't at all. That's but but what was what's interesting? You know, just quick, on, I don't talk about Piers Morgan particularly, but um, what's interesting about that is that. He had a go at us for attending a free speech rally. And now he's on the And now he <laughs> has left because he wasn't allowed to have free speech. Yeah. That's quite an interesting little yeah. turnaround. Yeah. 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 And now I know, for example, if he was on the BBC, he would have been gone a lot quicker because... Oh. You know. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, the, I think it's, it's really, really sad that nobody in, uh, or very few people in Parliament, particularly within the Labour Party, are standing up for free speech like they should. They really, really should. It's a disgrace that some well, of these people, whether it's in the government or in the opposition or in the media or in the press or whatever it is, there are one or two people in the House and also in the press who are speaking up for free speech, but yeah. they're drowned out, completely drowned out by the obsession with sticking to the narrative. And it's time that ended. Really. Yeah, I, I agree because it's been so long we've been under the car shop. You can't say this because it'd be deemed wrong. You can't say that because it's wrong. Mm. It just feels like we are constrained in what, you know, the freedom of speech. Yeah. There isn't any. No, no, no. I think, no, it's, it's, uh, it's very dangerous what's happening in the UK. And, and sadly, Boris Johnson and Nick, uh, Matt Hancock and uh, Priti Patel and Rishi Sunak, these are very corporate. Um, uncaring people they i think once we understand that these people don't care about us it makes the whole process a lot easier to understand to understand yeah once you realize actually they just don't care then you think oh that's why they are they are <laughs> i think the world of pain you're in when you when you're trying to um you're trying to square make sense when right. you're trying to square the circle because yeah. they act like this and you think well why would they do that they do that because they don't care exactly. um <laughs> and they'll all be in the private sector within the next five years probably. <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> taking a, a pension yeah. well, there's yeah. a, there was a picture today on the internet of a woman a woman who runs a girl who runs a trattoria restaurant in italy austeria austeria i think it is and she's sitting on the on the floor with her head in her hands because she's just been forced to close down. Mm. And what? She, and, and clearly, the people that are running that part of Italy or running Italy in general do not care about her. No, they don't. Know. They don't. No. Otherwise, they oh, otherwise they would do something about it. So, and the only reason people were furloughed was to keep the pitchforks and the torches away from Number Ten. It's just hush, <laughs> hush money. It's hush money. Isn't it's all it, it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, they don't, they don't do it because they care. They're doing it to keep you quiet. Yeah, and I think it's very, <laughs> very sad for a lot of those people when the furlough ends, if it ever ends, um, they, they won't have jobs to go back to. That's going to be, that's going to be another yeah. can of worms, you know. But uh, It's very hard to find leaders yeah. or politicians who truly, truly care about their people. It's very, yeah. very hard and they're very rare. Yeah, we, we, we got invited yeah. into the House, House of Parliament a few times. We got invited... To number ten and number eleven a few times. We've always we've always declined those invitations, but we did go up to the House of Parliament, went to Strangers Bar and chatted with a few people, and you met a couple of nice people. But overall, when you come out of it, you feel like you want a shower. There's no, you know, there's not much love in the room. No. There's a lot of anger between one set of people and another. It's very gossipy. It's 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 paranoid. 
Um, it's not a very happy place um, for, for the home. It's meant to be the centre of democracy. It's not a particularly free-thinking environment. So lots of people... Would you say it's a bitchy environment to be in? Sorry? Would you say it's a bitchy com- area to be in if you uh, were standing there? I, I would think so. I mean, for the people we talk to, they, they spent all their time slagging off people we've just been talking to, you know. Yes, uh, it is very cliquey. Yeah. It is very, very cliquey. The thing is, on the back benches, it seems to me, there are, there are some really good people. It's once you once you climb a greasy pole and you crept down to the front bench, on the whether it's in the government or, or the opposition, once you've made those compromises, which are inevitable, once you get into that, uh, that level, um, I'm not sure that anything you say can truly be trusted. Um, but there are some great people on the back benches and some really, really good um representatives their local constituents you whatever you say about Theresa may she is still a representative of her constituency she hasn't toddled yeah. off like tony blair did yeah so <laughs> you know i can't see johnson hanging around or matt hancock they'll uh, matt hancock will go and work surely for the world economic forum he's he's been he's <laughs> been his neck in it he's been he's he's been um you know uh, um, a torchbearer for them since 2016-2017 and and I would think that Johnson will just go off and do after dinner speeches and all the other stuff and go to America and you know just put as much money in the bank as possible to pay for all his alimony well, there, was, there was a time there was a time when um, being a leader of a, of a nation or being a front bench uh, minister was yeah. Prize itself. That was that was a, that's what you wanted, and and it was deemed to be a prize. It is now seen, I think, by by some as a conduit to private business. It's the revolving door. Isn't it's the it? revolving door, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think if the if the uh, it should be treasured more. The people who are elected to represent a constituency or to represent an entire nation should be infinitely more um, conscious of what the people need and and how to behave. Um, yeah. and not worry quite so much about their legacy and, and the polls and everything else. They need to think more mm. about the people they represent. It's like, it's like going back to you saying about cliquey and all that. It's like you go into England, or I'll say England mainly, but you go to England, you go to London, London gets more than they do in Cornwall. Yes. I, come from, I come from Cornwall, so I came from a lower end of the scale of where, you know, Poverty was low, you know. The town I grew up in was one of the lowest poverty towns going. Yeah. Okay. Now, me being in America, you may think I've got glamorous studio, which I haven't. It's just a green screen, but okay. but I'm in a low poverty town in where I am in America. But I don't hold that against me. No, because no, no. I came from a low poverty end, so from one low poverty to another, I can see the two elements on the American side as well as the British side, and it's just damning when you, like I said, you're in London, you get everything. You go further, but you go further down and you end up with nothing. Well, the trouble, yeah, the trouble, we went to, um, we, when we did a radio tour a couple of years ago, we went to places like Sunderland and, uh, and Wolverhampton and all that sort of, you know, those places. And you, you could see why this country voted Brexit. You could see why. Mm. Because there are huge swathes of the country that had been forgotten. You know, the, the people in Brussels didn't, did they care about Sunderland? Did they care about the closed down markets in, in Wolverhampton or wherever it, it was? You, I mean, Darlington, it was, a, it was a ghost town, ghost town way before COVID. Yeah. So, you know, I was, it didn't really, it surprised me, but it didn't when the Brexit thing happened. And I think 
what's happening in America, and I saw some footage the other day of Portland, it's really sad. Mm. Some of the cities in America um, right now are, and California, one of the richest states in, in, in America, and one of the, it, probably if it was an independent country, would be, I think, the fifth or sixth wealthiest country in the world, and they have people living in tents on the streets. It's, it's, mm. uh, it's, 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 pretty, it's pretty bad. Well, well which uh, part of America are you in? I'm, I'm in Ohio, in a town called East Liverpool. Oh, right. Okay. In, in Ohio? Yeah. East Liverpool, really? Yeah. Mm. Wow. Okay. Which is, which is Trindra Stoke-on-Trent. Right, right. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so you can see the difference already, can't you? Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. But you go downtown to East Liverpool, which is only about 10 minutes by car for us, you know, there's only like one or two main shops that you could go in. There's no, you know, no major, major, oh, right, let's go into JC Penning. That closed last year because of COVID. Yeah, you yeah. know, there's a, and I know you're not gamers, but there's a game shop over it, which is similar to the UK shop called Game. That is, so it's, shares sink in the last week for unknown reason but you know i can see that going out of business yeah, yeah, there's yeah. a restaurant that was big when i first came here that yeah. was open that closed so i can see major businesses yeah not wanting to come back because they can't see the viability and that's what i can see happening in england when covid is lifted <laughs> and everyone's open again because yeah. there's no real push to say stay open because you got this going for you yeah. well there's i mean one of the theories in the uk is that they, is that the the uh, the clampdown has been in a way designed if you want to use that word to prevent people from exchanging news and information so all pubs are shut all gigs are closed churches, churches are closed anywhere where people can gather and maybe cause trouble uh is has been has been stamped on um, and the the recent there's a recent apart thing from, uh, parliament. apart from parliament where they cause enough trouble on, on their own. Um, <laughs> I, I think you know I, the, our our basic position is pe people must have the choose to run the choice to run their own lives, make their own decisions, and they should be encouraged to do that, not berated for doing it. Mm. And that's the trouble. That's where we are right now in the UK. We're being encouraged yeah. to shut up. And, and, and put up mm. and just toe the party line mm. and I won't have it. Yeah. So I'm reading these notes here. It says multi-platinum award-winning artist and songwriter. Over 100 million plays on Spotify. You have credits on Taylor Swift. Look what you made me do. You've been in commercials. You've worked with Bob Dylan, Mick Jagger, David Bowie, Claudette's from Madonna, Jay-Z and Prince. Yeah. Does that make you feel like you are achieving what you wanted to achieve when you first came into music or do you think it's just i want to be here i've made my stamp i'd, f I'd probably feel a bit a bit more um fulfilled if madonna was actually in my bedroom at the moment <laughs> <laughs> yeah put, your money, your mouth, put your money where your mouth is darling yeah exactly um <laughs> so uh, but no it doesn't to be honest we just um the thing that gives us the greatest thrill is going to the studio and coming out with something we're really happy with yeah you know, or, or hitting on a, a melody for a verse or hitting on a chord pattern that we like or, you know, it's, it's, we got into it from a music point of view. We then became celebrities and then we've gone back in a way to where we started. Mm. Yeah. As, as, as just musicians, mm. that's, what, that's what we are. And, and we will probably survive or not as a consequence of that mm. endeavour. Now, I could easily say, yes, you are my biggest interviews to date, but I 
you know, I just see you as two individual problems where you are just being yourself. Yes, we're not. We, we try not to. I, well, we never play. The, the, the fame game is something we weren't terribly good at, I don't think. Um, and we, it caught us by surprise that we suddenly became celebrities. We never expected that to happen. No. Um, and uh, it took us a long time, I think. It took us, you know, several years to get that out of our system and return to base camp one, to return to what, what we are happiest doing. Now, if a label comes along or a management company comes along and digs what we do right now, I'm absolutely fine with it. I, I mean, I'm not against that, but they have to dig what we do. Yeah. So they really do. And what, what, what we won't do is, you know, sit down and have somebody say to us, if you, were, if you could do this and if you could do that, and why don't you do this and why don't you do that and dress like this and do We won't do that. That's what, that's the, that's what most of them do. And we won't do that. Their, their approach is, you know, you should be more famous and if you if you do this, and we'll make you famous. Or that's, work with that person. Yeah, that's kind of the information we get from most record labels and management. Mm-hmm. And we just say no, we're not yeah. interested, because that doesn't that just that is just a that's just a world of pain it, for us. It makes us unhappy, and, and, and we <laughs> really and, and we won't, won't do it. Yeah. And we aren't particularly money driven, so so we just shrug our shoulders and say no, thanks. Yeah, you know? yeah. And also, the people we like. I was watching an interview with. Um, Leonard Cohen the other day, and you know he was just solid. He was a gracious, classy, intelligent, civilized man. You know, Mm. Uh, that's the kind of that that's more inspirational to me as something that I remember the way he comes across than the the glib nonsense that comes out of uh, some of the the more famous people that we could all name. So we've gone from the past to the present, now to the future. Where would you want to be seeing yourself in five years' time? Alive would be good. Alive would be nice. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, that's um, one thing. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, just doing what we do, out maybe doing some shows, if that's at all possible. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple of film projects that we're heavily involved in. We'd like to see those come to fruition. Um, that's about it, really. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. we're not particularly um, greedy or... Um, or ambitious in the term in terms of the celebrity and fame thing and the band thing, I, you know. Yeah, we 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 like peace. Of, we, we're both quite. Um, uh, we, we both have short tempers, and we we kind of get very irritable with people if we think they're there for the wrong reason. And and before, and a lot of it's our fault because before we've been too tolerant, and um, now we just have we have some golden rules that we that we that we like lines in the sand we follow. And if we do anything that, that challenges those, nine times out of ten, it's a mistake. Yeah. So for us, you know, the new single, You're Gonna Like Is Love, is, had great reviews and is, going to, is being received really well. So for us, that's a win. That, that, that for us as a band yeah, is a that. win. And, and, and we're happy with that. And um, then now we're looking at the next EP for the summer. Uh, and maybe we're looking at some shows um, later in the year or certainly for next year. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I, one, that's well, kind of where we are. I'd like to have the money to take a, you know, an eight piece band on the road, you know, percussionist, a little brass section. Very expensive. Really. Yeah. I mean, that's my, you know, we did it in Cambridge. We had a large live band in Cambridge a couple of years ago and it was just really good fun. It sounds, it sounds, sounded great. 
couple of girls back seeing, you know, the sax player and blah, blah, blah. And it was just really good fun. You know, and a whole bunch of people on stage banging away. It was, it was, uh, it was good fun. So it's all natural. It was you being you and that's what made it unique and special. Yeah, it's just, yeah, we just, yeah. Have to, just everybody, whether it, if you're an artist of any kind, whether you're a painter or an architect or whatever, you just have to try and hang on to who you are. Yeah, I think a lot of artists give that up very quickly. Yeah, yeah don't, yeah, don't yeah. play the, try not to play the game. Just yeah. follow your own star and, and yeah. see where it yeah. takes you. Absolutely. I think that's what happens in reality music shows as well. You know, you're manufactured. Oh, yeah, I mean, people watch, you know, those shows and they ring in to vote for an artist and they actually think Simon Cowell is going to look at their <laughs> their vote and go, oh, okay, let's consider that that opinion. Because I like that guy, but that doesn't matter because you vote yeah. for the, you know. Yeah, I mean, we all, you know, these, these things are choreographed and they're orchestrated. It's a money-making project. It has very little to do with music and entertainment. Um, and, but, you know, sadly, a lot of people don't want to believe that and they, they're hooked on it. That's their business. Right? Yeah, we tend, to, we tend to go for people like, you know, I don't know, you know, I like people. We like people that don't fit in. That don't fit in. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it will be definitely in there, thing because I'm definitely oddball. <laughs> <laughs> but anything you would want to say that you would want my viewers, watchers, listeners to hear, apart from promoting Yats EP. No, just, just you know. I mean, what I think what we'd like is people to look beyond. Um, I'm too sexy, deeply dippy, or and you're my mate, and yeah. you know. Because in fact, I was watching a documentary about um, Lillard Skinner, and every band gets this. They were talking about talking to the band, and they said it'd be really nice if people saw saw us apart from Freebird and Sweet Alab Sweet Home Alabama. And and um, yeah. those two songs are absolutely fantastic. But obviously, that band had a lot more to offer than just those two songs. And most bands do have more off to offer than just their singles. Yeah. Um, but that's how you get tagged. That's how you know how you first are. How your first scene tends to stay with you for your career. Um, mm. And we're very proud of how our, our early stuff. You know, sexy, deeply dippy, don't talk, just kiss. I think they're stand-up pop song, pop songs, so I don't have any problem with that at all. But it's nice when when we talk to people or we meet people and they say, "Oh, that song from that album or that gig you did." Yeah. Um, that's that for an artist. That's that's nice. Yeah, you yeah. hear um, that someone's actually gone to the trouble listen of, to of listening to something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that's a good thing. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. I thank you both for being yeah, part of the journey. Thank you very much. Well, thank you for being part of the journey. It's a pleasure. Pleasure. Want to be part of the journey? Why not share your journey? Email wisewords1983 at outlook.com. Until next time, bye-bye from me. And David, do you want to say bye? Thanks, Marcus. Bye-bye, everyone.